opinions of the guest and host you hear are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Radio 1, its sponsors, or advertisers. Ah, mon Afrique, réveille-toi, il est midi, tu dors encore, réveille-toi, n'écoute pas Babylone, il t'est fourni les armes pour tuer ton peuple, n'écoute pas Afrique, Afrique Ananga Batoa cheveux crepus, Batoa maïele bo simba ni babige, Oya bilanga bo simba ni bakongo, Simba ni maboko mouna le kate o Afrika, Malo bate, Moussalande, Mouindo yangolo, Afrika e, Mobali yamingao, Afrika, Hatona mosolo, Afrika. for joining us today on Congo Live, the authentic voice of the Congolese people. We're joining you here today in Baltimore Live. And this is Patricia Lokwa joining you with Kambali. Kambali, how are you doing today? Kago, how is the weather there? Uh, the weather is doing uh, pretty good. It's going to be really hot today. So I hope uh, our listeners are going to go out today, go to the pool, do a cookout. I know that's what I'm going to be doing today, enjoying some good grilled African chicken. <laughs> But nobody want to check out congolive.org, go to our Facebook. Everybody want to go out on a Saturday when it's hot. Well, we've been getting really great feedback. We have people from Belgium, from London, from Canada, giving us some great um, feedback about our show and how they enjoy it. And um, But before we get into all of that, I want to hear a little bit about the news, if you can share with us uh, what's been going on this week. A lot's been going on on the continent, especially with our neighbors, or Congo's neighbors in the east, Burundi. Uh, where there have been uprising uh, youth uh, taking it to the streets to hold the government accountable. Then uh, earlier this week, uh, there was an attempted coup d'etat while the president of uh, Burundi was out um, of the country. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the coup did not last. Uh, some of the things that I always remind people is uh, peaceful uh, change is the lasting change. Any military attempt to Gain power uh, usually results in deaths of uh, civilians, uh, mainly women and children. Um, the, so currently, the president of Burundi uh, is back in power, and uh, the people of Burundi are still fighting to hold uh, the president of Burundi accountable to not run for a third term. Now, can you imagine if George Bush had a, a third or fourth term? That's what's happening in Burundi there, and it's also happening in the Congo. Uh, another thing that we need to bring uh, shed, shed light on is uh, what's happening in the Congo, in the East. For two years, of, over 200 people have been massacred uh, in the town called Beni and the surrounding. And this has been going on in silence. Uh, no media uh, shining light on the issue. Uh, so we, we want to remind people while in some other part of the Congo it may be peaceful, our people in Beni are struggling at the moment as uh, unknown armed men are actually uh, assaulting people in southern neighborhoods and villages in the east. On the political front, 
we have the president of the Congo, Joseph Kabila, who has been for the past two weeks uh, calling for dialogue with the opposition leaders. Uh, we see that as an attempt uh, for him to still stay in power. I mean, can if you put it in the context, President Kabila is supposed to leave power in December 2016. Uh, there is no dialogue that's needed with President Kabila. The only dialogue that exists is for him to leave power in 2016. So any attempts of his political party and himself uh, to stall the process through dialogue or the means, uh, people should be protesting that. Our friend, uh, Fred uh, Baruma and Eve Makwambala, a uh, young uh, youth activist of uh, the Filimbi Network, are still in prison. Uh, as our callers may remember, uh, on March 15th, young Congolese who were engaged in civic education of the population, organizing a press conference, were arrested in mass. Uh, some have been freed. Uh, many others are still in prison. And two of the people in prison currently are two of our allies, uh, Fred Bauma and uh, Eve Makwambala, uh, who have been charged with treason. Uh, it's kind of interesting to think about civic education as a, uh, a high treason uh, act in the Congo. So we hope people will lift them up, use contacts that they have worldwide uh, to free Fred and free Eve uh, from prison now, as we need them as youth leaders in the country. And uh, lastly, uh, I should say, is that uh, the presidential uh, majority, PPRD, has called back the Congolese ambassador from Belgium, Harry Mova, back into the country to be the head of the majority party, PPRD. Uh, and this is, again, no more steps. Uh, to, uh, for Kabila to stay in power. With that said, uh, we should bring you now the news and the topic of the day. And thank you for sharing us with the news, with what's going on in the Congo. We always look forward to uh, getting feedback to what's going on with the people of the Congo and um, just everything in general. Uh, for the discussion of the day, it's going to be around the Congolese and the diaspora. Uh, we have a great and be the beautiful Sabrina Muella who's going to be joining us today, and the title is going to be Made in Congo, from Kinshasa to Broadway. And I think she has a really beautiful story that she's going to share with us about her humble beginnings and how she joined in Broadway. But prior to going into that, I want us to listen to uh, another Congolese who is in the diaspora in Europe by the name of Alvi Same who was also from um, Voice of France, and uh, this is a beautiful song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, tell him I you. 
He actually sings that song on um, The Voice of France. And uh, Kambali, if you can give us a little bit of feedback, uh, I know you were really interested in finding out a little bit more about how this song came about. And if you can give us a little bit more feedback on it, it'll be really great. Yes, and for our listeners, I encourage you to check out our Facebook page, Congo Live Show. Uh, We've posted the version that he sang on The Voice. uh, For Some of you may know the show in the United States called The Voice where it's almost as American Idol. Uh, the same show is also aired in um, France uh, with uh, different judges. So uh, Alvi Zame was one of uh, the 12 finalists of The Voice in France, and uh, he gave me goosebumps uh, when I first heard him because I heard him sing you know, a song that I'm familiar with, you know, Reckoning. Uh, the reckoning song one day, and um, as he sung the song, he introduced Lingala uh, into the song, and this was a national stage in France where you know, people watching the show around the nation were able to be exposed to Congo through his music. And in, in the song, when he speaks Lingala, he's asking for Congolese to rise up, to stand up, um, and that was very moving for me. But uh, a story about him, you know, he's a French Congolese who was uh, part of the French military. He was stationed in Jordan, and as uh, he was there, he was asked um, by some of his colleagues um, to lift up the story of Palestine. Um, and his response was he's not knowledgeable of what's happening in Palestine. You know, he was more than happy to advocate for that. But uh, what, at that instant, something rose up in his heart where he was saying, it's kind of interesting that the world still does not know that six million Congolese have died. And he tried to find ways in his work also to bring about the Congo. So after his military tour, he went back to France. He did not renew uh, his military service. He decided to do music, uh, become a musician in Paris, and then um, start speaking about the Congo in his art. And he applied to be a candidate for The Voice. He was selected. 
And to all of our surprise, we heard him on TV, and I know many Congolese were proud of him, uh, proud of how he inserted the Congo into the music. I know I was very, uh, I actually got goosebumps listening to it. Uh, and I, I believe watching the video, he got a standing ovation. And uh, it was just chilling to see how you have different Congolese across the world who are not forgetting their humble roots and are trying to find a voice within their communities to make a difference however way they can. We also have people such as Bismarck Moyombo. He's in the NBA. He plays for the Charlotte Hornets. And I know um, I know him as a friend personally, and I know he's been doing a lot to even give back to the Congolese community. He has a basketball camp in Lubumbashi and Kinshasa. And he goes back every summer, he bringing back shoes, um, he tries to get different, um, he does fundraisings with different members of his basketball team so they all can raise money to give back to the community. And I know we have a lot of Congolese across the world who are doing uh, such things. And Kambali, do you, who's somebody in specific that stands out for you, actually? You know, um, when you say Bismack, you know, I was really happy, you know, we, Many people don't even know that we have quite a few NBA players who are from the Congo, you know, from Bismarck to Dikembe Mutombo to Christian Eyenga, uh, DJ Mbenga, who was in the past with uh, the LA Lakers, you know, making their mark in the NBA. You know, internationally now I'm thinking about the first black person to be a minister in Italy, you know, she was Congolese, you know, Cecil Kenge. Uh, was the Minister of Integration in 2013 to 2014 in Leta's government. Uh, we have a young Congolese woman uh, I know from uh, the UK. She's now an attorney. Uh, she worked at the ICC as an intern. Uh, she's been very vocal about speaking of the plight of the Congo. Uh, we have Sarah Kazadi, who is a, she's a Congolese uh, woman filmmaker. Uh, doing documentaries and films, working for CBS at the moment, and always lifting up. And many other young Congolese around the world, J.J. Bola was a poet and so on. And I'm always inspired uh, when I hear of Congolese wherever they are and doing things. You know, I will quote Lokwa Kanza. I met him, uh, one met him in Cincinnati. Um, he uh, asked him, what advice do you have for the Congolese youth? And he responded, uh, I'm not, don't think of me as this wise man who can advise the entire Congolese youth. But if there is one thing that I can share with Congolese today, especially the youth, is in whatever you do, be the best. So that when the person look at you, he or she will say, that's a Congolese. Display excellence and be the best in everything you do. That's very beautiful advice. Um, I think we all should um, take that into consideration in all that we do and be our best in all that we do. Uh, speaking of people from the Congo who have made a difference worldwide, we have uh, Kofi Olomide, who we're going to be listening to very soon, who is very legendary in Africa as a whole. And um, he is going to be singing a beautiful song called Motomolo from his album, al uh, his album Loa. And Kofilo Mide is actually one of my personal favorites. I grew up listening to him, my aunt, um, every Saturday. She would play it as she was cleaning, and we all know him. Petit à papa, exaucé. 
dis-lui que Ibuisa Pimba Hubert Ibanga Ima Bemaziko Samba Zingeti de Rakabaka Tous les corps Kofi Olomide. Uh, Kofi Olomide is legendary. If you don't know him, you should uh, either go on YouTube and listen to some of his songs. He's done music with people such as Yusundul from Senegal, uh, Jay Martins from Nigeria, and he was awarded uh, as one of the greatest performers on a European TV. Um, and he's pretty much the Congolese Elvis. I would, I, you know, I would argue maybe the African Elvis, but uh, we all know any party you go to when it's a Congolese party, it's Kofi Olomide that you play. Uh, to bring in our guest for the day, it's the beautiful and talented Sabrina Moella. She's going to be joining us today. Sabrina, are you there? Uh, yes, I'm here. Hi, Thank you. Patricia. Thank you for calling. I'm so excited that you're on the show. Um, and uh, we, we're just, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm just baffled because I've never had an opportunity to talk to you. And I always follow you on Facebook and I see that you've been traveling in Kinshasa and so forth. And I'm just seeing you doing all these wonderful things. And um, I wanted to ask you actually uh, a question. Um, my question was, how were you able to keep up, uh, keep Congo alive in your life, being away from the Congo and keep Congo within you in the work that you do? Uh, yes, that's a great question, especially because I was not born in the Congo. I was born uh, in Europe, in France, 
And uh, so I've never actually lived in the Congo, but Congo has always been with me. Congo has always been in my heart. I think music uh, plays a huge part. We are talking about Kofi uh, Olomide and Kofi Olomide at my house. Uh, yeah, every weekend, every Saturday, every Sunday, we were always playing his music. Um, so music has been important for me to keep Congo alive. You were also talking about social media, and I feel like for me these days, especially because you know, I've been living in Canada for a couple of years, so to keep... Uh, track to keep in touch with the Congolese community. I use a lot of social media. Uh, I'm on Tumblr every day reading posts from all uh, the Congolese people around the world, posting beautiful pictures, um, posting poems. So uh, uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I've met so many of my uh, family, cousins uh, through Facebook. Uh, and then when I traveled to Kinshasa, I was about mm-hmm. to recognize them by name and greet them because we've been communicating um, through social media a lot. So, yeah, that's how I do it. Music, social media, uh, talking to my parents, and um, also every time there's a, an exhibit or a film or a book or talk about the Congo, I try to go, I try to support Congolese people um, in every way I can, and now I can listen to Congo Live and keep in touch with my community, so it's great. Well, before, I actually want to hear more about uh, your humble beginnings and what led you to go into Kinshasa and to Broadway. But before that, Kambale, can you share with us a little bit about uh, her bio and some of her accomplishments? Because I know she has a long list of them that I'm trying to also do myself. I'm noticing that uh, she's very humble. She's not sharing with our listener how multi-talented she is, a writer and performer, a producer and a filmmaker. Um, based in Toronto and from the Congolese parents, she mentioned to us that you no, know, she uh, grew up in Paris. She's been presenting a film and a work in so many festivals from Europe to Canada. She even participated in the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, the kids' uh, version, the Urban World Film Festival. Uh, she's been in Hollywood. And some of her writings uh, has been shown on the LA-based show Words on the Street. I mean, I, I just want to know, Sabrina, how do you keep up with all these uh, talent, all these opportunities traveling from Toronto to LA to New York? And how did you end up in Broadway? Uh, because that's also what I'm very interested in knowing. Like, I will argue you may be uh, the first Congolese woman to have a play on Broadway. How do you do all of that, Sabrina? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kambali. Uh, I'm not even sure. Now that I'm listening to all those accomplishments, I'm realizing, oh, that's a lot. But I think I'm taking everything one day at a time. And earlier you were talking about uh, Lokwa Kamza and what he, was, uh, what he was explaining about always be the best, be the best that you can. And that's something that in my household, my dad was always... Um, saying that to us, to me and me and my brother and sister, that's what I've been raised to be. It was always like, do your best, try your best. Every time we were sending us to school or to do anything, we had we had to behave accordingly. So, um, and to answer to your question, how did I did that? I think for for a long time, uh, even though I was a, a writer and a poet and a filmmaker, I was always uh, keeping. Uh, things to myself. I was not really performing or publishing anything. And uh, I think step by step, I, was, I started sharing um, poetry on social media. 
And people were always very interested when I was talking about the Congo. I had a, a poem about my grandmother, a, poet about, a poem about my, my mom, and people were always asking me for, for more. And I think I was just uh, listening to, I think what Toni Morrison was saying, that if you if there's a story that you don't see, that you want to, to see, you just have to uh, write it yourself. And that's what happened with me and the Congo. I was always craving art from the Congo, folklore from the Congo, stories from the Congo. And because I was not seeing anything, um, I decided to write my own stories. And writing the stories of my, my mother and my grandmother brought me all the way to New York and to Broadway because when I started sharing those stories and performing, uh, more and more uh, venues and theaters were interested. And the United Solo Festival in New York uh, was very interested. And they said, oh, can you, could you bring uh, your play uh, to New York and uh, perform on Broadway? And I was like, sir, I could never dream about something like this. So I was very proud to, to do that and to, to represent for the women of the Congo. So anything is possible. I'm just trying to... Uh, uh, to inspire the, our youth, the young people, to say, you know, write your stories, share your stories. You never know where they can lead you. And it's important for us to tell stories that really represent us, that are by us and for us, but also for, for the world to see. Uh, speaking of your show, um, I believe the name is Made in Congo. What is the story of Made in Congo? Um, Made in Congo, like I say, it's the story, um, it's about... Uh, it's based on my life and the mm-hmm. life of my mother and the life of my grandmother. And uh, I'm telling stories. I play, my, it's a one-woman play where I tell stories about my childhood in France and being, uh, feeling like I don't belong anywhere because I'm part French, part Congolese, uh, so all those um, identity, all this identity crisis. And then to understand um to understand my present, I had to go back to the past. So I started telling the stories of my mother and then the, uh, of my mother in the 60s and the 70s uh, in Kinshasa and then my grandmother um, in the 50s and 60s uh, in the Kasai province. And then when I started writing it and performing it, performing it, I realized that even though it was a very personal story, it was also a parable about the the... the the fight and the the strength and the resilience of the Congolese woman in general. Oh, that's a I I can uh, attest to that. Um, uh, one thing I also wanted to ask you. And this is just my personal question: Is who was somebody in your life who really supported you through this whole process of being somebody who has all these stories in her mind and she wants she's searching for who she is? And who was the person who was closest to you who was like, you know what, Sabrina, you can do it. You know, go for it. This is for you. And, you know, make your impact and set your footprint of Congo in New York. Who was that person for you? Uh, I think for me, that was really my, my mother. My mother was always there for me to encourage me. Uh, at some point, I was thinking, I can't do it. I'm so, I think I'm French. I can't really tell the, the stories of the Congo. Like, who am I? I didn't feel that... Uh, I was authentic enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And my mom had a speech for me. She was like, no, you're Congolese. You can do it. And she she started sharing a lot of stories from her own childhood. And uh, and from there, I started writing and, and building on that. But yes, my, my mom is my biggest hero, hero, and she's a, a huge supporter. And she's very funny. And I feel like a lot of my uh, storytelling ability, I just uh, uh, inherited from her. So... That's what I, I, I used to be on stage and 
yeah. I actually want to hear a little bit more about just uh, your life in general. But before we go into that, uh, there's actually, I would say, the mother of Congo, Chalamwana, who's going to be singing a song called Ikele Mwandi. And uh, after this, we'll hear a little bit more about your mother and your experience in Broadway. Okay. Chalamwana. Chalamwana is a beautiful woman who's uh, actually a singer and a dancer from the Congo. She started her career as an artistic, um, 
She, basically, with the music band Cheke Cheke Love in 1977, she's famous for her dance moves known as uh, Mutuashi. Uh, speaking of Mutuashi, Sabrina, do you know any Mutuashi moves yourself? I do, I do. Oh, I'm wow, you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've not always been, but uh, my mom and my aunties were always dancing the Mutuashi when, uh, when we had parties uh, when, I, when I was a child. And uh, when I was in Kinshasa recently, I, I was able to witness uh, live all my uh, cousins and sisters and aunties dancing the Mutuashi. So it's a beautiful movement. It's a beautiful dance dance. So in your in your play uh, made in Congo, how is dance incorporated throughout the show, and what what do you display? Contemporary dance, the traditional dance, and how how you performing Congolese dance into your show? Uh, yes, I had to. I feel like you can have a play about the Congo, about Congolese women, and not have dance move mm -hmm. because the, it's it's such an important part of our lives. So uh, what I did for the play, because we have those three main characters who, who represent the 90s uh, and the 70s and the 60s, so I had different dance movements for every character. Uh, the character of Bina, who's based on me, is more about uh, hip-hop and contemporary dances, but she also uh, brings me back to uh, the, the Congo uh, from the 90s, the, the Kofi Olomide, all those songs from the 90s, the, the Dombolo movement. When I was in Paris, it was all the rage, uh, the 90s in Dombolo, um, for the, my, my mother's here era for the, from the 60s and the 70s, it was, um, um, what did I do? Oh, I think, no, I, I brought it back um, to the Mutras, actually, uh, because he, uh, he, he was a huge, she's still a huge Mutras dancer, and I also brought some of the, the, the Humba, the Humba Congolese, uh, with music by uh, Franco, because my grandmother and grandfather, they, they used to love uh, to dance on those 60s and 50s songs, uh, the Humba Congolese. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, let's get our callers to call in now. 410-481-1010. 410-481-1010. The line is open for questions that you may have for our guest today, Sabrina. I uh, want to add another one, uh, which may be interesting. You know, you say that uh, your fam your family, specifically your mother, was very supportive of you. I wonder what their reaction was uh, when they watched the play, because more than likely they were characters uh, who mirrored, uh, who were almost as your family members. Did your mom see it? Did she laugh? Did he, how, how did she feel about the characters in your play? Uh, you know what? My mom has never seen it. It's terrible because I feel like she's the ghostwriter of the play. Uh, she has seen only excerpts uh, uh, on video. She has not seen it live because I perform in Canada and I perform in the States and my mom uh, is still based in France. My, fa my extended family, they are all in the Congo, so they want to see it, but they've not been able to see it. But I feel like uh, they were with me in spirit. So there's, And there's a... A powerful moment in the play, actually, where I call the names of all the women of my family, and I call the names of uh, what I call my family of the of the the heart, which are all the Congolese women that I've known and met through social media or in real life. And because part of the play is based on that um, sentence that a journalist wrote, that the worst place on earth to be born a woman is in the Congo, 
because it's the capital rape of the world and all of that. And I, I was trying to show that it's a beautiful place to be born. And there's a, there's a moment in the play where I, I, I call the name, I call uh, Patricia's name, I call, you are talking about uh, Sarah Kazadi, she was in the audience, and I call her name, and Tumba Mukendi, another uh, girl that I know, Malube Zingala, and I call all these names uh, while um, embodying my grandmother, and I felt like all those women, even if they were not present that night, were with us, and for me it was really important to say our names and to affirm our existence in the middle of that um, Broadway stage. So, even though my mom was not there, she was there in spirit, and her name was called, so I feel like she's seen the play. That's very beautiful. I actually didn't know that. Um, I, I'm actually interested in finding out when is the next play? When is the next Made in Congo? So I make <laughs> sure that I'm in the audience to hear those names and support you. Um, I have no date yet because I've I've been working on this play for for two years. So I I decided to to take a little break. But so many people have asked me when are you going to do it again? You want to see it again? So I I need to to look into that. And I also want to do other things because I'm just back from the Congo from Kinshasa. I I really want to write a, a play which I will not perform, but a play that uh, I could write. Uh, in English and in French, uh, and that uh, people all over the world, maybe in the Congo, maybe in the U.S., maybe in France, can just use the words and and do their own uh, play that would be based on uh, three of my uh, little cousins there in their early 20s, living in Kinshasa, and I got this idea, oh, let me show them their element one day in the life of those three uh, girls, my cousin in Kinshasa and their trials and tribulations and what they are going through to have those, those uh, Congolese voices. Uh, that's one of my projects, something that I really want to, to write about. And then I will just um, um, give those words to uh, act, actresses and actors all over the world so that they can um, they can do their own play and, and keep the ball rolling. Because sometimes I'm exhausted and I feel like, oh, I can't perform, I but I, I want stories from the Congo to be performed all over the world so that will be a next step and regarding Made in Congo it will I know I say that I will not do it again because I'm so tired but I think it needs to be brought back so I will look into that it definitely needs to be brought back because I, I unfortunately couldn't make it last year, but I would love to go this year and bring some of my family members so we can uh, support you and support the Congo and all that we are doing across the world. Um, I know that recently you went to Kinshasa. While you were in Kinshasa, were there any uh, elements of Kinshasa that you may have in, in, you know, came across that you feel that in anything that you do in the future, you have to tell those stories and you have to share some of these stories that you may have come across? Wow, yeah, so many stories. It was, it was such a powerful and emotional trip. That was my first time ever in the Congo, my first mm. time in Kinshasa, my first time meeting my grandmother, uh, meeting family members. So it was really powerful. And every day I felt like, oh, there's a film in there, there's a story in there, there's a poem in there, there's a, uh, a play in there. So to just pick one element will be will be hard. I know that I've always wanted to um, do a film about uh, the Mohammed Ali side, the uh, Rumble in the Jungle from 1974, 
but doing it from the perspective of the Congolese who are there, because I feel like uh, I love the documentary When We Were Kings, I love the documentary um, Salt Power, I think it's called, but it's always from the point of view of the, the Americans or the foreigners who came there to, to witness the fight. But I have so many stories from my mother and my uncle, because they were living in Kinshasa back in, back in those days, and I, I was always excited about, oh, doing something from the Congolese point of view. And while I was in Kinshasa, I went to that um, stadium where the fight um, took place. So it, it gave me even more um, images and, and stories. So that's something that I would love to do. Um, I know I also, um, I also saw a lot of uh, little girls in their early teens doing a lot of um, skateboard in downtown. It was close to Matongue, I thought. Mm. I was like, wow. There's, some, there's something that I would love to like go back and do a documentary about those those girls like jumping with, on on their rollers or their skateboard and taking um, all those risks. I thought it was really cool, and I thought that's something that I've never seen and I didn't know that it was happening. So. There's so many things. I don't know. I think uh, something that would be really cool is um, telling, like, you know, you have the Muhammad Ali who went into the Congo. There were so many stories of Congolese during that time. Uh, yeah. What was going on? Who are the, some of these people that attended um, this Muhammad Ali fight? What were the stories of their lives, their personal stories of how they, who they knew, how they were able to get some of these tickets, what was happening during this era in Congo? I think that would be a great story. You know, if you need anybody to be in the play, if you don't want it to be a one-man show, we can add me in there somewhere. You know, I don't mind. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <But> we... <laughs> yeah, that would be my pleasure. Be, yes, I've, I've always been fascinated by those, the 70s. And, and I know I have stories because uh, my mother and my aunties wanted to go to the fight and they couldn't. But some of my uncles had tickets and they went. It was like... It was a historic night. So. <laughs> and we can have Kambale either be Don King or Muhammad Ali. You can play that role, you know. <laughs> that would be amazing. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind. Anything for the Congo, I will do. Well, we actually have a caller who's calling us um, in by the name of Beatrice. Um, let me see if I can bring her hand. Hello, Beatrice. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you for calling Congo Live. Uh, and what is your question for us today? Yes, I have a question for the guest. What okay. does it mean to be a Congolese to her? Oh. What does it mean to be a Congolese? Is that the question? Yes. Wow. That's yes, that's my question. Uh, yes, that's an excellent question. I think it means, it means a lot of things for the longest time when I was a, a child or early teenager. I didn't want to be a Congolese because of the media representation. I had the feeling that it was something shameful, that it was uh, something ugly because of Tata in the Congo, because of the war going on, and because what I was seeing portrayed. And I had to uh, do a lot of work on myself and to realize that now for me it means something beautiful. It means um, that so, uh, there's so much history. that it, For me, I'm very proud to be Congolese today, and I'm saying it loud and I'm Congolese and I'm proud um, it's uh, yes it's, it's amazing like just to be the descendant of all those um, fantastic women um, it's it's a, it's a source of pride so yes and um, I know for me, um, uh, just to answer your question, Beatrice, I left the Congo when I was uh, eight years old. And until this moment, I still speak Lingala as if I was in the Congo my entire life. And uh, wow. from my experience, I know 
when I, you know, I, I come across a lot of people who are from the Congo who may have came when they were 15 and you ask them, do you speak Lingala? Oh, you know, no, I don't speak Lingala. I forgot about it. And I think at some point in our lives, we all share a little bit of that because you have so much coming from the Congo. We don't always know our history. And when you start to discover all these stories of, you know, what was going on in the Congo and the history of Congo, and then you see things like I mentioned, my aunt on Sunday dancing to Kofiolomide and she's just smiling and she's dancing. I'm like, you know, why is she so proud to be um, Congolese? And when I started to listen to these words, that was the beginning of Congo for me leaving at the age of eight was just that how we had, we were here in the USA. My aunt just loved the Congo. And I was like, there's something that I need to find within myself. And we kept the language. And one thing that always stick with me was um, my mother doesn't speak uh, English. And she speaks a little bit of French. And I felt like if I forgot Lingala, that would be me forgetting my mother. And I couldn't forget the language. And um, maybe, Kambale, what, what does it mean to be Congolese for you? You are asking me a tough question because it can be answered in many ways, right? Uh, we can talk about uh, nationality, being born in the land that's called the Congo today. Uh, it can be about the experience, the experience of the people of that land. Uh, from 14, the 1400s when the Portuguese came uh, and the uh, fall of the kingdom, uh, the Congo kingdom, the people of the land have had a shared experience. Uh, from the invasions of the Belgians, the colonization, the killing that's there. There is always an image, uh, a vibrant image, I forgot the artist, where he has the body of Lumumba, Okito, and uh, the third one, the, the three that they, they killed when they killed Lumumba. And it's almost as there is a cross, or trying to do the representation of Jesus Christ dying with Lumumba being that person. Um, and then his blood is touching the lands. So always remembering what the, my elders have shared with me is the blood shed on the Congo create the Congolese. It's a shared experience of the people. Under the Belgian, uh, under Leopold, the people in the Kaseya region were the one massacre. During the rebellions, you had Shaba. Right now, we have the eastern part of the Congo. But what has brought those people from many nations, right? You have the Kuba, the Lubas, the Nande, the... Um, Tetelas and all these different um, tribes who live on the land, they've had the shared experience that because of the land that they call Congo, they are who they are today. So being Congolese is being part of that experience and the experience where when the people of the Congo rise up and transform the land, it will have a continental trans uh, shift and a worldwide change. And that was very, uh, wow, Kambale, you over here giving nice, beautiful speeches. You gave me goosebumps over here in the, in the studio. Um, I wanted us to listen to a beautiful, another beautiful Congolese woman by the name of Mbila Bell, um, by the name of Naza. Uh, she's the queen of Congolese uh, rumba, and let's hear a little bit about her. Sa kotonga mabe, ino baluki makam. 
Kusala kotongo baninga Kutangala koina gato Konukamba skabana baninga listening to Mila Bell. She was born in 1959 and she rose to fame after uh, around the 1980s and a little after that. Um, and Sabrina, are you still there with us? 
Yes, I am. I wanted to ask you a question. I'm sure Kambali has the same question in mind. Who are some of your favorite um, Congolese artists coming from the Congo? Well, actually, Ndiria Bell and Saramwana are two of my favorites. So I'm, I feel like I'm spoiled today. Like, oh, yes, my favorite singer. Um, Pungo Love uh, is one of my favorites. Uh, also, Mahido from uh, Zach Mama. Uh, who are from contemporary yellow, uh, Balozi, Kofiolomide, of course, Sally Pupa. Yes, yeah, so many. But favorite singers, yes. I think Kalamwana, Pongolov, Media Bell are the. the what, are, what, what about them inspired you? Um, how they inspired me? Like, why, why Mila Bell? Why oh, Pongolov? Like, what are some of the songs that was just like, you know what? You know, I, I love this song. I love what these women do. I think it's linked to um, early childhood memories, um, seeing my, my, my mother and my aunties listening to the songs uh, on the weekend. So it's, it's always linked to um, very joyful memories. And I remember we, we were watching the, the steps, the VHS steps, and they were always like beautiful, like the, the makeup from the 80s and their, and their rappers and how they they were very graceful in how they moved and everything. It was, uh, it, it made an impression on me. And since those days, I, I love to, to, to wear wrappers like on my, on my head or around my hips. Um, I love them. And Talamwana, because my, my parents are both from the Kasai province and he, he sings a lot of traditional songs. And, uh, my parents were explain, explaining me the, the meaning of the songs and the, the, the proverbs and, and what they meant and how they've been, uh, with us and around for like thousands and thousands of years. So, uh, that's why it's so important for me. It's so interesting listening to you how, um, similar, uh, we have like, uh, these backgrounds where I didn't know you back then. And yet you have your mother on the weekends dancing to this yes. music you have my aunt on the weekend yes. it's like this is something that was their way of keeping um a piece of congo with them i even had uh, my aunt who would show up for parent teacher conferences with the liputa in the head and i'm just yes. like god you know why, why me but now that i look back i'm like that's what defined who i was yes yes and I had to do that. <laughs> I had to do this because it's important that Congolese know and the reason I'm bringing this topic up is Yamado. I have to bring Yamado. Okay. I have to talk about Fabregas because for the past three weeks, I've gotten so many attacks from family members, from friends, they think that I'm crazy, that I love this song, and um, you, you are an artist. That's why I wanted to have this discussion with you uh, around the role of artists in raising consciousness in the minds and soul of the youth. And yes. I, I felt that Fabregas is misunderstood. Uh, is misunderstood uh, for our listeners so you know. The first episode, which you can see on congolive.org, uh, we played a song by a Congolese artist named Fabregas. The title of the song is called Mascara, and he has a dance at the end uh, when you watch the video called Yamado. And uh, that song has been censored in Congo. Um, people look at the song um, and say that this is a derogatory song, it's uh, objectifying women and so on. 
But everyone who says that never took the time to actually listen to the words of the song and actually the imagery uh, that he has where he's getting the, the African culture, you know, we're having Af African attire in his music video, discussing so a social issue, uh, a health issue, which is transmission of um, uh, sexually disease, uh, tra transmitted disease, STDs. And I feel that this is a public service announcement song, which I love. I love that aspect. You now as an artist, as you encounter situation where you want to insert um, consciousness into your art and uh, you have a challenge about how you will do it and how people will perceive what you are trying to do. Yes, very good topic, Kambale. I think, um, yes, all artists and myself personally, I've encountered a lot of that. While I was writing my Playmate in Congo, there are times where I wanted to censor myself because I touched on so many topics that can be seen as controversial. Uh, and one way for me to to still do that, I use a lot of humor. I feel like as African, as Congolese, the way our parents, our grandparents were teaching us were through uh, proverbs, um, folklore, folk tales, and sometimes and a lot of parables. So that's what. I use to make the message um, easier to be received. I use a lot of jokes and humor. But if you listen to the story, there's always two or three uh, layers of meanings. Thank you. So Thank you so right. much, Sabrina, for joining us today. Sabrina Moella from Made in Congo on Broadway. We're so happy to have you here on Congo Live. It's always an honor and we welcome you back. And, uh, you know, you know, our home is our your homes. And we look forward to having you again on Congo uh, Live. And we want to thank Lubangi Manyanya, our producer from Tabilulu Productions. Um, Sammy Chimanga, uh, our social media manager, and the whole team for Congo Live. And uh, thank you for joining us today again on Congo Live. And we look forward to hearing from you next Saturday at 2 p.m. Uh, here in Baltimore. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Ben ya ba yeba 